Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAers. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about our HA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show hey and welcome to the hypothalamic amenorrhea podcast an adulting advice podcast production i'm danny sheriff and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly this podcast aims to educate inform and keep you motivated on your period and ha recovery track let's dive in Hey everyone, welcome to the, what is it called? Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I have two podcasts, so I'm like, ah, which one are we on? Um, I am here with Amber Fetzer Broderick. Yep. Crushed it. I wasn't even looking at it that time. <laughs> I just knew it. And we're going to talk, we're going to share a story today. Um, I mean, Amber's going to tell it, but she went through AJ and she also had a baby at the end. So it's a very encouraging story, I'm sure. I don't know. I haven't heard it. I'm excited to dive in. Welcome, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No worries. I'm super excited. This is like one of the things I'm most pumped about is just get on the calls, sit back and listen to the story and probably ask probing questions, but I'm sure that's fine. <laughs> all the questions you want. As <laughs> the girls that I coach, like I'm literally an open book. Awesome. Awesome. Exciting. So, I mean, kick it off. I'm sure you've told the story a few times to some people. So where do you want to start? Um, It dates back to when I was in high school. So I was a little bit um, overweight. I decided, okay, senior year, I'm going to be, you know, the skinny pretty girl and lose weight. How did I do that? I now know I did it in a very unhealthy way. Um, I cut out carbs, fats, dropped probably about close to 25 pounds. Um, so you just like ate protein? And vegetables, yeah. Right. <laughs> and that was about it. Um, I became very, very restrictive with food. I dropped about 25 pounds in the course of just the summer. So that was about two months off of school. Went back high school and was like my lowest weight ever. And senior year was actually when I lost my period. 
And I didn't think of any, anything of it. Um, living this lifestyle then continued through college, um, post-graduation, and then all the way up until the time that I wanted to have a baby and I couldn't. So um, I don't know. Um, how did I get myself into that mess? It was, like I said, being very, very restrictive with food, like food and exercise consumed my life. Um, it's all I thought about. It's, um, yeah, like those were, oh my God, they were such dark times. I missed out on so much of my life because I didn't go out with friends. The fear of like drinking was scary. Having a slice of pizza was scary. All things that I would look at other people and envy. I'd be like, oh my God, they could just eat it and move on. Like, why can't I do that? What is wrong with me? And then it was in college when I started binging and I didn't understand what was happening. I was like, I don't get it. I'm good all day long. You know, I was eating probably anywhere from like 900 to 1200 calories. And I was like, but I'm so good and I'm so healthy. And right. <laughs> I, I craved things like carbs and very dense caloric foods and um, fats. And I could just remember going ham with like cereals and ice cream and peanut butter, feeling like completely- So like a bit like a binge at some point? Yeah. Yeah. It was usually in the evenings after restricting all day. And this continued for quite some time. Um, Can I ask, were you, was that, you, you got to a point where you were doing that every night or you were like being perfect, quote unquote, for like a week and then binging on the weekend or what was your pattern? No, that was happening almost every night of the week because I would go, like I said, all day long eating my vegetables and my salads and my grilled chicken and things like that, thinking I was being super healthy. And then at nighttime, it was like my body was revolting back and just being like, no girl, you're going to feed me and I'm going to force you to feed me. Mm -hmm, so obviously mm -hmm. um, in my research that I've done on my own, you know, being in a calorie deficit for so long, your body will force you to eat something. Yeah. And isn't it amazing? It's so amazing. Like the body is incredible and it's obviously going to be very dense foods because it doesn't know when you're going to feed it again and it has to learn to trust you yeah so, i yeah. resonate with that so much it's like this because when you look back once you get through recovery which obviously we'll get to you sort of look back on those binge those binge episodes and you're just like I cannot imagine doing that right now. And it's not because, oh, I learned like mindfulness and I know how to avoid it. It's like, once you stop restricting your food, that goes away. And what I, like, I couldn't imagine back then a time where I would not like on Saturday night, go to the store and buy like a tub of ice cream and eat a whole pizza and do it like, I was like, this is just going to go on forever. Yeah. And then when you release it and you know you can do it anytime and you're eating enough calories every day, the desire to do that becomes minus 100. It's really fascinating. Okay, go on. Definitely. Um, I, when I got to that point in college where I was having those episodes, I would cry. I would be like, mm -hmm. what is wrong with me? I would pray that like, I want to stop. Like, I don't want to keep living like this. I just, I didn't know how to not. And the thought of allowing myself to eat whatever I wanted when I wanted was not happening at the time. Like I was so afraid of, you know, what most women are afraid of waking. <laughs> like I, um, you know, society has these very boxed in strict standards of what women need to look like. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to fit that ideal because I thought that that's what was going to get me, you know, a husband and a good job. And like, I needed to look this way because that way equals success, but I couldn't be further from the truth with that. Um, so going back to just the allowing yourself to actually eat the foods that you crave and not having this good versus bad mindset when it comes to foods, because food, let's, let's get this straight. Food is so much more than fuel. Like it's community, it's culture, it's pure enjoyment. And we, in the 
dieting realm, we take away, you know, associating food with enjoyment. And like, I don't know about you, but I really enjoy going out with my husband on ice cream dates and, you know, letting our daughter take a lick and things like that. And I knew like setting myself up for pregnancy. I always, always, always wanted to be a mom. And I wasn't going to be, I knew I needed to get my mindset and my relationship with food and exercise under wraps before diving into becoming a mom, because I didn't want that, my relationship with food and exercise to hold me back from being the best mom that I could be. I didn't want my daughter to come up to me and be like, oh, mom, can we bake cupcakes? Or, you know, can you, you want to lick the spoon and taste it too? And you know, have me having thoughts of like, no, that's going to make me fat or no, it doesn't fit my macros. Like, what would she think? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so healing my relationship with food and exercise took time. It took a lot of work. And honestly, it was a lot of mindset and shifting the way I thought and viewed foods, my body and exercise. I viewed exercise as a way to continuously keep burning calories. I was never present in the moment. I was always, you know, needing to go for a walk or needing to be moving, needing to be shaking a leg because any bit of extra movement I thought was going to help me burn calories, which was helping me lose weight, which was helping me look skinny so I could look pretty. And (laughs) that is just no way to live like at all. So I don't know if I could go off on like so many tangents. So if there's no, any- I love it. I freaking love it. That's why I'm pumped to have these conversations. Cause I was like, yeah, exactly. And you're so busy doing all of that stuff so that you can deserve or like reach the status level of which you can start enjoying life finally. And that never comes because none of that's real. And then when you finally start you know, recovering and healing your relationship with food and not persisting on exercising all the time, you get this time back that you then fill with those things that you thought you weren't going to be able to do until you had recovered. It's so weird. Yeah, it is. Like I would go to the extremes pre-recovery of packing a ton of food whenever I would stay any place. Um, I would scour menus before we would go places. Um, If I knew that an event was coming, that, you know, decadent food was going to be there, I would make sure that I got a workout in so that I could earn those meals or or earn those treats. And ladies, ladies who are listening, please, you do not need to earn your food. You being a living, breathing human being is your right to eat food. Um, And that's the thing is like this mindset like I said, most of my clients want to have the hopes of becoming a mother. And that is like their main goal. So changing your mindset before going into pregnancy, I think is a very, very important thing because your body is going to undergo so many changes and you need to be okay with that. You know that you're going to need to gain weight. You know that that is what's healthy for you and your baby. Um, so being okay with that and being very inclusive with, you know, eating healthy fats and eating carbohydrates is not only going to be super beneficial to you, but your little tiny human that you're growing. Um, you can't, I always thought of it when I was going through recovery as gaining weight, just acting like I was already pregnant. Mm. I was pretending that I was already pregnant because I knew I was going to have to gain weight when I got pregnant work out like if you are going to exercise exercise like a pregnant woman would like she's kind of preparing for labor exactly like Like I knew I wanted to have a healthy active pregnancy but I wanted it to be balanced I didn't want it to be obsessive so that's why I um I worked really hard (laughs) really really hard to recover my period and I know a lot of people, they always ask, okay, well, how much weight? But I, I want you all to know that it's very individual. Mm-hmm. Some people, it comes back in a matter of weeks. Mm-hmm. Some people, it takes months to a year. Like it just all depends how it goes. And once I found uh, Nicola Rinaldi's book, No Period, Now What? I was like, holy macaroni. Like this is me to a T. I am over-exercising, I'm under-eating, I'm burnt out, I'm stressed, I need to fix this. 
but her approach of going all in scared the crap out of me. And I sort of attempted it, but I didn't do it. I did not go all in. Yes, same. <laughs> I, I had to take baby steps because that's what worked for me. And I feel like you do need to find what works for you. Otherwise, your mind is just going to be in the gutter because you're like, oh my God, 2,500 calories a day, no movement. I'm just going to lay on my couch and watch, net, watch Netflix and eat fries and burgers and ice cream and feel really bad about myself. So I was like, it's like I, replacing one stress with another stress. Exactly. Really feel as helpful all the time. Yeah. No, no, not at all. So that's when I, instead of working out seven days a week, okay, maybe I dropped it down to five and took definite weekends off. And I didn't work out for an hour. I'd work out for 30 minutes. And I just focused on decreasing all of those things with my exercise and then increasing my food intake. So maybe it would start with half a cup of rice at dinner and, you know, being okay with going on a bagel date with my husband over the weekend or going out for ice cream. And like I said, it was those small changes that, that helped not only my mind, but my body to realize, okay, like she's going to start feeding me again and she's going to relax more. And I think that finding your way to recover, as long as you're making a consistent effort to recover is what's going to help you um, have like a, a more sustainable approach to recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about, okay, you got to this point where you're like, I'm ready to have baby. I'm married, married. Yep. I mean, yeah, like I'm, I'm married. I have a husband. We're ready to start a family. I don't have a period. So that's when you decided to start addressing it. So what, and you just kind of explained, I, I wasn't ready to go like all in. You started to wean off exercise and build up your food. So what, what else was like, what were the mental struggles? Tell me about like conversations you had with your husband and how he was, he supported you or people in your life like did you share about it what worked what didn't work for a long time i guess you could say i suffered in silence mm -hmm. i knew that there was something wrong i knew that women were supposed to have their period i just didn't know really why i wasn't getting mine and how to fix it so the realization that something was wrong was in college because i can remember my dad came to visit me in college and he was like, I'm worried about you. Like you're tiny and I know how you are with food. It's really restrictive. And I would get so mad when my parents would be like, we're worried about you. Like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, like I'm freaking healthy. I'm working out and eating clean. That's it. And so in the back of my mind, I was like, geez, like if my parents are worried, then maybe there really is something wrong. Hmm. And I'll you know, put this out there. My parents are so supportive. Like I love them. They're my rock. They're my everything. I love my family, but I didn't want to talk about it. And I didn't want to talk about it with anybody. So I did research, tried to figure it out. And, um, let's see the mental struggles of actually going through recovery were very challenging. I just didn't want to go out in public because I woke up and I was like, mm, not feeling this body today. Like I'd rather just stay home and, um, you know, working on eating more. There were days that I would feel bad about my body and then want to go back to my old habits of restricting. And there were definitely days where I did do that. And I did dive back into, you know, exercise. I would just be like, Oh, F it. Like I'm not getting pregnant. My purity is not coming back. This is stressful. And I don't like the way I feel in my body. I'm very uncomfortable. And um, I had those setbacks. And I will fully admit that because I do believe that progress isn't linear at all. It was very up and down. And as I kept incorporating more fear foods, less exercise, and I started gaining life, that's when recovery did get easier because I saw how much I was missing out on. I was able to just sit by the pool with my family, have a drink, have some chips if I wanted them and enjoy it. Enjoy the time with my family, enjoy 
the food choices I was making at the time and make memories. And that's definitely one of my biggest things that is like a hashtag on all my Instagram photos is memories over calories. Because for so long, you know, I lived a life of restriction. Um, I did tell my husband about my struggles um, after years of struggling. And okay, he, so he was in the docket for this for a little bit. Yes, yes, he was. Can you just share before you do? Yeah. Do you have any idea what it was that was making you not want to say this out loud? I did not want to say the words. I think I have an eating disorder or like mm. disordered eating. I did not want to be associated with that. I did not want that to be a label for me. Okay. And because you've I, identified for so long with being very the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't want, I didn't want that at all. And like even saying those words out loud, but those were the exact words that I used when I did tell him. And I was like, I don't know, maybe I should see somebody, maybe I should seek out some help because I've been at this whole recovery ish thing for a while. And I don't know, I feel like I need support. And obviously he's not a coach or a medical professional or anything like that. So he was like, Hey, you know, whatever, whatever you need to do. He was very supportive. Um, I did have two sessions with a nutritionist and the first one was groundbreaking because, um, and it wasn't like, um, an eating disorder specialist or anything. It was just like, you know, a local nutritionist mm -hmm. and she did this test that, um, it's like with a uh, measured your VO2 and how much, how many calories your body requires just like to live and at rest. Oh, and interesting. I, yeah, it was super interesting. And like I said, I was eating probably between 900 and 1200 calories a day. Mm. And I was very meticulous, tracked everything. And so when I did that test, it came back that just to survive, to live and keep my body running it was 1800 calories. And I was like, holy crap. Oh, so I, you're kind of dying. Yeah. Basically slowly dying for like, sure. I'm, I'm sorry, every, anyone listening or that might be you, but you might be slowly going back. Dying. Yeah, you are. You are slowly killing yourself. And at the cost of what? To be in a smaller body, to not take up as much space. Like, uh, no, let's not. And so that, that was the moment that the light bulb went off and I was like, oh my God, like I can actually enjoy food. Like I, I need to eat more. I mean, also I just want to touch on, because I know that there's probably women who did the same thing I did, but there was definitely dark times where I would eat something that I deemed not healthy, or I would eat something like a, a protein mug cake and not be able to stop and make another one and have spoonfuls of peanut butter with it. And I would, regardless of what time it was, and regardless of what time I had to get up the next morning, I would force myself to go exercise to burn it off. I would go to the local gym if they were open. I would, um, when my husband and I lived in our first apartment together, I, he was on a different shift, a crazy shift where he would have to get up at midnight to go to work. And I remember him laying in bed and I went balls to the wall with dessert. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? Mm -hmm. And he was sleeping. I left and I went for like a two hour walk and just kept walking and walking and walking. And this is like eight o'clock at night. It was a summer night. So it was still kind of bright, but I just. It I sticks out in your memory as a mm -hmm. uh, what the F moment. Like, yeah, seriously. Like, what was I doing? What in the world was I doing? But yes. So the first step in my recovery, I would say was acknowledging that I had a problem and then doing my. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA 
or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy, this is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass, y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. My own research to learn that I needed to eat more, exercise less, lower my stress, and then visiting with that nutritionist, even though it was one to two set, two to three sessions that I had with her. Like I said, they were very eye-opening. And definitely I would say finding your why as to why you want to recover is so important. Um, I just, like I said, I knew 100% my biggest dream in life was to be a mom. And babies, like you can't do that if you don't have a period. Yeah. Um, I should mention also when I was in college and I started seeing my now husband, I went on birth control. And so I was getting a synthetic period for, um, I think I was on that for about four years. And then we got married and probably a couple months before we got married, because I still knew that I had an issue. I took myself off of it, knowing that I wasn't going to get a period back. And I was like, all right, here we go. Like, let's, let's try. Let's see what, what happens. Took myself off. No period, no period, no period, no period. So full on, it was nine years without my body making a period from the time that I was a senior in high school till the time I was in the real world working, you know, my job and getting married and thinking about having a family. Nice. Nine years. Yeah. A long time. That's but so- you did eventually get there, which is yeah. pretty cool. So is it safe to say you persevered through the hard times, kept on track and just eventually got a period finally? Or was there something else significant that you think may have contributed to getting through it? I think that it was a bunch of different things that I did, but I did them when I was ready. So like I said, I started eating more, exercising less, um, little by little. And then I left my job at the gym. I was a personal trainer and I just kind of started not moving away from that, but, um, I wasn't working that job. My, my boss wasn't the greatest. So it was kind of stressful and I just wasn't happy there anymore. My clients made me happy, but not like actually the job and being there. So I left and did personal training on the side, but it was definitely a lot better for me because I didn't have access to a gym every day. 
And I believe that that definitely played a, a big part in my recovery, along with letting go of the stress of having a boss and having to answer to him. And then it took me, I believe, 10 months to get my first recovery period. And then after that, you're not, you're not recovered. <laughs> like you still need to implement the practices that you've been doing. Mm -hmm. So don't go making changes of, okay, like I can run again or I can work out again. I did, I did do that. <laughs> I, I did too. I did too. I think we all do. We're like, yay, period. It means I can go back. To Never works. Life. I don't yeah. know anyone where that's worked. <laughs> so you live and you learn. But um, yeah, so then, oh, periods. Okay, so they were not regular, like at all. Like it would maybe be three months and then I would get some spotting and then another five months and maybe I'd get a period and um, they were very sporadic. So my body before I even got pregnant was never regular. So the journey to get pregnant was very frustrating. I cried a lot. Um, I felt very hopeless at many times. I was like, oh my God, here we go again. It's not going to happen. Because you just constantly wonder, like, am I doing what's right? Am I feeding my body enough? Am I exercising, you know, in a balance that's okay for my body? So yeah, I was in a constant state of wondering. And then I learned that you can get a period and not ovulate. And I was like, oh, come on. Okay. These like, are called anovulatory cycles. Yes. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so that's when I went and bought um, OPKs, which are ovulation predictor kits. And I was testing every day and I was taking my temperature <laughs> and trying to figure this out. And honestly, it stressed me out. We, my husband and I, you know, started to do the whole baby dancing thing, if that's what you want to call it. You know what I mean, ladies. And it became not fun. It became scheduled and yeah. stressed us out even more. So that's when we stopped with the OPKs, ovulation predictor kits, and just kind of started living life and winging it and just like enjoying our time together. And I think that also plays a very large role in, it's not a determining factor if you're going to get pregnant, but I think it's a lot easier when you're not stressing about it as with anything else. Stress you is hear so many stories of people and maybe they do did or didn't have high, in, in general, people who struggle with fertility, you hear a lot of people say, when we finally stopped trying, it worked, which is incredible. Yes. yes. And it got to the point. So I did, I tried one round of Clomid and we did not get pregnant off of that cycle. I went to the doctor to get my second round. And in that time, before I started that second round, I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, holy crap. I did it. Like I did it on my own. I didn't need Clomid. You know, like I said, we were going in for that second round and I was going to give it a try. And I took a test after we came back from vacation. This was after like really enjoying myself, really relaxing, eating sweet potato fries, having burgers, you know, going out for ice cream, like every night. And just chilling with my husband. And it was fantastic. Came home pregnant. Love it. Ah, that's so <laughs> exciting to me. Um, I totally want to hear about your, like, I guess, first 20 days or like how you figured out that you were pregnant. Um, but I'm just curious as well. So you started eating the things, you were enjoying your holiday as much as you can. Um, did your husband have I mean, did, did you gain some weight at this, by this point you've gained weight? I don't know if you want me to mention numbers. I don't know if that's triggering. If I shouldn't mention it, that's totally okay. It's a common question from a lot of people. And I think, and tell me what you think, because you're my first story interview so far. Mm -hmm. I know that numbers are triggering for people with EDs. One of the things i pretty sure I'm going to find over the course of this series is how wildly different it can be for so many people, which almost proves a point in itself, um, maybe. And for me, I didn't have an eating disorder. I just had eating disorder, eating disorder tendencies. 
but it is helpful to me. And so we're always going to find that it's going to be helpful to some people and not helpful to others. So, Hey guys, if this is going to be triggering to you, hit the skip 15 seconds button now. Okay. okay go. So it was helpful for me. Um, I started my journey at 109 pounds when I was in high school. I'm five foot six. By the end of my recovery, I gained 31 pounds. And that's when my cycle came back. Um, I got up to, started this journey at 109 and was up to 156, 157. And you're a tall I, person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it took me, it, it took that, that weight, yeah, to start cycling again. And I will let you know, um, it did that whole comfort zone set point theory of your body and its weight. I did, I didn't change anything and my body did naturally start to lose weight. So when we did conceive, I was, I think a hundred and anywhere from 137 to 140. And so going into pregnancy, how did I know I was pregnant? Like what? Oh, also like, let's talk about signs that, you know, your period is coming. So cervical mucus, it's just a wonderful thing. That's how you're going to track it. That was the biggest helpful indicator to me was when my body started producing that lovely cervical mucus. And I was like, Oh good. It's good to see you. Like my period might be coming this month. I remember that too. I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, that I forgot. <laughs> yeah. So TMI, I know, but like, I know all you ladies. No, it needs to be normalized for sure. Is it, in fact, yeah. Like one of my signs for knowing my period was coming that I was going to get my first one post ovulation. Uh, yeah. Like my first period ever after years of HA was seeing cervical mucus. It was a sign of ovulation. So yes. it's a positive thing. It's such a positive thing. And then I was like super emotional you know, like we usually are and, um, tired. I was very tired. And usually my lower back kind of starts to ache and there were months where I would get these signs, but not get a period. And then eventually I would get these signs and a period showed up. So that was very exciting. Um, and then knowing that I was pregnant. So I'm the week before we went on vacation was the week that I had a mental breakdown. I remember standing in our hallway, crying to my husband that I was never going to get pregnant. I was never going to be able to give us kids. And we ended up um, doing the thing a couple times before we left for vacation. And I can remember on our flight to Florida, I felt weird. I felt different, but I was like, no, like, no. And so all through Florida, we were there. My biggest indicator was two things. I had to pee so much. Like I, we would go for a 10 minute walk and I literally would have to pee so many times. We were at the beach where there was no bathrooms, you know, close by. And we would go for a walk and they'd be like, I, I need to pee again. Like we have to do something. We have to go somewhere. And he was like, what is your deal? Like, you need to stop drinking. I'm like, I'm literally not drinking that much. And then second indicator was my boobs swelled up really quickly. And I was like, oh, this is nice because I'm very flat chested. I'm tiny. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's this new push-up suit I got. Like, I don't know. You're just in such <laughs> denial at the, like that this could be happening. <laughs> Real. For real. And I didn't tell him anything at all or like what my thoughts were because I didn't want to disappoint him too. Yeah, I know that. And you also don't want to sound psycho because <laughs> if it happens again, because I feel like every time I have a period, I have the weirdest, um, I, my period, I get like pregnancy symptoms. My boobs swell up every time and they're super sore. I have to pee all the time. <laughs> I always feel weird and have like lower back so, so I'm just pregnant every month. Yeah, so exactly. I don't want to say anything <laughs> just in case because we're trying. Um, and yeah, but I just don't say anything to anyone because he'll just start ignoring me right. <laughs> if I say I'm pregnant every month. <laughs> I know, I know. So then when we came home, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a test. I took a test and it was negative. Um, I took another test. 
the next day. It was negative. I took a test for that whole, the whole thing. <laughs> so expensive. Negative. And I was so sad. So that's when, when we came back, um, that week following, I had a appointment with my OB and that's when we were going to try Clomid again. She was like, I, I told her how I was feeling. I was like, I feel weird. She's like, it's still actually kind of early. So maybe just get the Clomid, hold on to it and test at least three more times. So you can bet your bottom dollar. I was definitely testing like every freaking day. And then I remember the date. It was May 24th, which was the date that my grandfather who passed away, that's his birthday. And we are very close. We're very close. And I was like, oh my God, I found out on his birthday that I'm pregnant. And I just, I couldn't, I cried. I was like, oh my God, this is not happening. And then of course, now you have this little human in you and you're like, oh my God. Okay. Now what do I do? I don't, I don't want to lose it. And I know coming from the background that I did, I was like, oh my gosh, like our miscarriage rates higher with me? Am I more susceptible to that happening? I better really cool it and like really relax and just eat whatever I wanted, um, whatever was necessary. And um, yeah, so that's, that's the story of how I knew I was pregnant. And um, cool. And I'd love to add in that yeah, there is no evidence that getting pregnant post-HA increases the chances of, um, what, complications yeah. in pregnancy, which is really cool, even in women who get pregnant off their first ovulation and right. haven't even had a bleed yet. So FYI, people. All right, but tell me, during the recovery process, what did your husband think about your you know, change in eating habits your weight gain, how did he behave? What, what was his vibe? Okay. So he was great. Like we were enjoying so much more time together. And once he knew that, like, I kind of was struggling with food and stuff, he would be the one to be like, Hey, what kind of Ben and Jerry's you want? And I'd be like, Oh, anything with like cookie pieces in it or brownie pieces in it. And we would, we had, would have pint dates where you would sit on the couch, split a pint, watch our TV show. And by continuously doing little things like that, that's where the guilt started to go away. I wouldn't go to bed and feel bad about myself. I would go to bed with feeling good because I just made memories and like it was super tasty and enjoyable. Um, and then in regards to my changing body, ladies, oh my goodness, please don't worry about it because my husband was so much more attracted to me. And I was like, what? Like, I'm not attracted to myself. What's going on? But he was like, yo, give me that. And I was like, I'm sort of uncomfortable about it because yeah, my belly was bigger. It was mushier. My thighs were jigglier, but he, he liked it. And so just embrace that new you babes. Like for real, it's yeah. not that bad. <laughs> this is very consistent feedback. So that's why I asked you. I wasn't worried at all about the answer. <laughs> uh, I love that. And even with the with the the guilt going away thing, a part of that for me, and I wonder if this was for you as well, what makes it easier is because you're practicing. So the first time it's really hard. And then you wake up in the morning and you're like, you're actually looking for problems and you're scared. You're like, okay, did I die? <laughs> you know, did I blow up? Did I just somehow just gain a never ending amount of weight overnight and it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen and it continues to not happen. Uh, so you start realizing like the consequences to this are quite low. Um, the negative consequences, the positive consequences are very high and the goal anyway is to gain some weight over time. So that's going to happen over time, but it's not gonna happen overnight. So as you're gaining weight, you're even like getting used to it. Your mind is calibrating at the same time. At no point are you going to wake up and be shocked and yeah. just like fall over. It's not really like that. No. And that's a very important point that you make is I kept doing these little um, experiments with myself where we would go out on our bagel date knowing that I was probably eating, I don't know, 600 calories in a meal. And then I would weigh myself the next day. Nothing changed. 
Like I would go out, have whatever I craved at a restaurant, always something to do with sweet potato fries because I love them. And nothing changed. Nothing changed at all. Like one meal is not going to make you fat at all. Okay. Like our bodies just, they change daily just because hello, we're women, salt retention, water retention, things like that. Um, where you are in your cycle, your stress, your sleep, like all those things play a factor. You can't just blame your food choices for that. Um, so yeah, like that was, that was a huge, super cool realization that I could really truly eat whatever I wanted and it wasn't going to make a difference. Yeah. I love it. And that's why we're having these conversations because the only conversations we've ever heard are, I mean this in its most literal sense, cult like brainwashing where we think we have to be a certain weight to be at a certain status in society. We have to be a certain weight to be loved and admired and to be you know, classified as healthy. So we need to be talking about how those things are just untrue and how we all have anecdotal and tangible evidence that it's just the opposite. Our husbands are more attracted to us. We're able to have healthy cycles and periods. We're able to get pregnant. Nobody stops loving us and we get more of our life back. And those are all clear evidence that dramatically outweighs how it feels to live in a restricted state and to not have a period. And you were talking about your why earlier and yours was to have a baby. And mine was because for me, every time I heard like the long-term side effects to your bone health, potential osteoporosis, like I was so focused on how I looked that I would forget about those symptoms. And then I would come across them in the literature or listening to another expert. And then I would have this like spike of remembrance. Like that's my why. Oh my God, I could die or like become frail or the opposite of, of health, the opposite of what I think I need to be doing this. And we need to be talking about it all the time to help, to help rid us of what we've heard a hundred million times that losing weight is the be all and end all. Right. Cause it's not, not at all. So now you have a beautiful baby girl. Yes. Congrats. Thank you very much. Best job I've ever had. <laughs> but you have, a, so I, I think that you're coaching now. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, so I work with women to help rebalance their hormones, also develop food freedom in, you know, their hopes of becoming a mom, getting pregnant, just healing that relationship before you start a new one with a child in it, Mm. because it's going to, it's going to change a lot. And um, like I said, I'm very, very glad that I made recovery a priority before having my daughter. Um, Actually, after I gave birth to her, I dropped a ton of weight really fast. And I didn't understand why I was, I went back down to 118 pounds and I was like, Oh no, 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 no. I don't. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I was like, I do not want to revisit this. I've been there and I need to start gaining weight. So like now I hop on the scale and I'm, I don't know, like 137 or whatever. So back up to my weight of when I conceived, I'm still waiting on my first postpartum period. I'm still new to that and trying to figure it out. But my lifestyle has changed dramatically since, you know, post or pre-baby Amber to now. Um, I only work out three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, during her first nap of the day. That's my me time. That's my time where I make my health a priority. And the rest of the days of the week, I go for walks or hang out with her, take her for a stroll and things like that. But there is none, no more of this seven days a week working out. Like I do what I can in the time that she naps. And if she happens to wake up during a workout, like I don't freak out that I'm not finishing it or that she's awake and there. Right. You're way more fluid. Yes. And the old me would have been like, oh no, no. Like she's sleeping. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting her until I'm done with my workout. And if you're a mother, like it, it can't work that way. Like your, your baby probably needs you at that time. So you do, you need to be much more flexible. 
And in regards to like my eating, some nights I freaking, I don't have the time to do things. And um, sometimes it's easier to just make a box of pasta for me and my husband and it's okay. Like that's okay. Um, yeah. And just like eating what you crave at the times that you want it and just living a free, happy life. Like that is, that is, don't you want to live a life you enjoy? And yeah. Including the foods that you, you want to eat, you know, while enjoying your time with your family, loved ones, friends, whatever it is. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of that feeling when you're going from teenagehood, living with your parents into adulthood and you're making your own money and you're like, oh, I can go out without asking permission. Yes. Like, <laughs> me and my cousin one time, we went to the movies and it was Easter. Um, and in Australia, Easter is a way bigger deal than it is in the States. Uh, and there's like chocolate Easter eggs all over the stores, every, everywhere. And it's like, that's when you're a kid, your parents buy you that and you get one for the, like the year. And we're just like, but we have our own money and we could literally just buy an Easter egg and eat it right now. And we did. And I don't know why that sticks in my memory as this like realization that I'm free to do whatever I actually freaking want if I really want to. And yeah there's not really any consequences and we're stuck in this mode that there's consequences but there's not you're actually free to live this one life on earth and we gotta pay taxes and have a job and do a lot of stuff we don't really want to do but there's a lot of things that you do get to do and this is one of them so just like go have a good time for sure (laughs) for sure i can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us today. I think it's just really inspiring. I loved going off in different directions with you. Where can people find more from you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at fitness with Amber. So those are fitness underscore with underscore Amber. And I do lay out my whole story there. I'm also on YouTube um, with confessions of a fit girl. Oh, cool. Uh, I do me too. I'm going to have to subscribe. I tell my whole story on there. And um, yeah, so those are okay. the places you can find me. And I'm consistently putting out content for you all. Thank you. I'll link to all of that in the show notes, y'all. So you don't have to remember all by heart. Thank you, Amber. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great chatting with you all. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women 